So if you have your Bibles open, turn with me to Psalm 66, verse 10 to 12. We're going to meditate on that passage. This is a, a powerful verse that reminds us of the way God shapes our life. And this is an important one to understand. Psalm 66, verse 10 to 12. If you're there, I would like to read it for you. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Amen? Can we read this verse together? For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Amen? And I want to talk about those dark days in our life where we ask, God, why me? I want to talk about those dark seasons of your life where you say, Lord, why do I have to go through this? I want to talk about those painful moments in life where you say, I can't take this anymore, Lord. Take this out of my life. I can't go through this anymore. I want to talk about those testing moments in your life where God refines your faith. You know, these are seasons of life. If you look at the psalmist, he's saying, Lord, you let men ride over our heads. How awesome is that? Is that a blessing? <laughs> People taking advantage of us. People using us for their benefit. These are seasons or moments of life that are, life that are not very easy to walk through. The pain is unbearable. We experience disappointments after disappointments. And these are seasons that you cannot brag about. Nor can you say, hey man, listen, I just went through it. It was super awesome. I'm super excited about it. Can't say that. These are painful moments of your life. And this is a season nobody wants to go through it and nobody looks forward to it. When it comes, it brings pain and disappointment. And I want to let you know something important here. I want to let you know something important. Are you ready? God allows it to happen. Some of you are like, wow, is this why I came to church <laughs> to hear this? What does the psalmist say? Lord, you tested us. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our back. You caused men to ride over us. What did we go through? Fire and water. We look at these seasons of life. These are seasons of life where God allows it to happen. Where God allows certain things to come into your life. And these are not very beautiful seasons that you can cherish for the rest of your life. But these are seasons that can be quite painful. As I was meditating on this verse, Psalm 66, verse 10 to 12. In the beginning it didn't make sense to me. Until I read this other verse. Isaiah 45, verse 3. Can we turn to that? Isaiah 45, verse 3. It's a very important verse. Um, if you, I would like to you know, direct your attention to the NKJV translation. There are some words that gives the richness of the verse. So Isaiah 45 verse 3 says like this, I, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord who call you by your name, I am the God of Israel. Look at the first line in this verse. What does it say? I will give you the treasures of of darkness. Have you ever realized that 
There can be treasures in the dark places. And I began to ponder and began to make sense to me because I understood that God takes me down to the dark valley through those dark moments and he takes me down to give me treasures that I wouldn't receive otherwise. If you take the phrase treasures of darkness and look at it from the psalmist's perspective, we can say the treasures of darkness is the transformative work that God does in the darkest times of our life. Now I've come to realize something, that God does his greatest work in my life in the darkest stages where I'm walking through pain and disappointment. I began to understand this, you know, God will subject me to testing. He will put me into testing so that he can transform and work in my heart and make me better than who I was before. It's a treasure of darkness. See, God does some amazing work in the darkest moment of our life. Some of you might think, really? Does he do that? Yes, he does that. Psalmist says like this in Psalm 119 verse 71. He says like this, you know, he went through it and he came out of it. He says like this, it is good for me that I was afflicted. And nobody who gets punishment in school will come in and say, hey, the punishment was so good, I just enjoyed it. Such a treat today. I, I, I... No, nobody says that. Psalmist says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. This man went through a dark time and he comes out and says, it was good. Why? Because he received something in those dark times of his life. One day when you come out of the testing, you will say, it is good that I was tested. One day when you walk out of those dark moments, you will say, it is good I was afflicted. We may, we may often think, you know, what will come out of these dark moments of our life? But God's word reminds us that he has treasures in the darkness. That is, in the darkest moments of your life, he can do some amazing work. You know, maybe, maybe you are walking through this season in your life where God is testing your faith. In this season, you may, you may often feel spiritually dry. It may seem like everyone is against you. And that you have nowhere to go. You may, you may feel like, uh, you, you, it's like, Lord, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm not able to grow. I feel like people are misunderstanding me too much. I, I don't know. I try to explain myself, but they don't get it. Maybe we are in that phase of life right now. God wants to remind you through his word that he has treasures in the dark places. His word reminds us that he is the Lord who stores up riches in the secret place. That he is the God who will change the trajectory of our life when we walk through the valley of shadow of death. You look at the life of the psalmist, Psalm 23. Psalmist doesn't crib that he went through the valley. Does he? Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He doesn't crib about it. God does work in our life in the darkest moments. And Bible reminds us that he is the God who refines us as silver. We sang the song, purify my heart, O Lord, let me be as gold. When we walk through darkest moments of our life, God deals with us and changes and transforms us. Psalm 66 verse 10 to 12 says like this, For you, O God, have tested us. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. 
I love this expression. I love it. He brought us into the net. Definitely not an easy path to walk through. You know, oftentimes when <clears throat> going through a season like this, we may wonder why does God do this? Why does God subject us to testing? Why does he test us? See, God is an all-powerful God. We may think that, okay, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he knows everything about my life, there is nothing in my life that is hidden, and we may wonder, why does God do that to me? See, God tested Abraham. God knows how loyal Abraham is. He waited for almost 20 plus years for this promised son to come through. He waited for it, but what does God do? Abraham, please go, take your only son, Isaac and offer him on the altar. How painful. You know, I've read that verse before I have had Jeremy and now after I read it, I'm like, oh my goodness. It's, a, it's not an easy act of obedience, but Abraham obeyed. God knows that Abraham is devoted, committed, but he still tests us. And, and we may wonder, why does God do that? Why does he subject us to testing? Let me tell you, one of the first reasons I'm going to talk about this only today. One of the reasons why God tests us is so that he can refine us. Amen. One of the main reasons why God tests us is so that he can refine us. If you, if you look at the word testing, let me talk about the word testing. Whenever the Bible says that God tests us, oh Lord, you tested us, the word test doesn't mean what we often think in general. Now, whenever our teachers come into a class or professors or somebody comes and says, you have a test at the end of the class. We may not have listened to the lecture for six months, but now we will listen because we don't want to fail. Whenever we think of the word test, this, this, this fear comes that we may fail, that we may lose it. But the word testing here does not mean something where God comes to give you marks or put you in probation. But the word testing in the biblical context is actually a metallurgy term. In other words, the word testing is a term used for refining precious metals. You get it? The word testing is a term that is used to denote the process of refining precious metals. So it's not like God comes to you know, check how your faith is, but he comes to test you so that he can refine you. So why did God test Abraham? to refine him, to make his faith stronger, to let him know more about God, to, to make him understand more about who God is. So the reason why God subjects us to testing is so that we can be refined more. Now go back to Psalm 66 verse 10. How many of you are with me? Oh, that was a... <laughs> How many of you are with me? <clears throat> Amen. Psalm 66 verse 10 says like this, For you God tested us. And then it says you have refined us as silver is refined. Why does the psalmist insert that word there? You tested us and you refined us as a silver is refined. It tells us clearly that God's testing is not to destroy us but to refine us and to make us better than who we are. Now I want to introduce this other name of God that you may not have heard very often, that our God is a refiner. Who is our God? Is a refiner. If somebody comes, in, comes to you and say, my God is a refiner, it's like, which refiner? Petrol? Diesel? <laughs> 
He's a refiner of our life. Malachi chapter 3 verse 3 says like this, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. What does he sit as? He sits as a refiner of and, and a purifier of silver. So there is this aspect of God, there is this work of God, a nature of God, where he refines us, where he makes us better than who we were before. So God's testing is nothing but refining us. God doesn't test us to give us marks, but he does that to refine us. So everyone, you know, everyone who comes to the Lord and says, Lord, accept me as your child. I want to come to you, you know, give me your salvation. When, when we say that, God accepts us. He pulls takes us in and he puts us into the department of refining. And in that moment, he begins to refine us. So that is why Malachi chapter 3 verse 3 says, he will sit as the refiner and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi. He will purify the sons of Levi. I want to remind you something. God desires to test you. It desires to purify your life. It desires to subject you through a season of testing. And we may wonder, Lord, why? Why do I have to go? Why do I have to go through this? But God says, I want you to be refined. When we go to the supermarket to buy oil for cooking, what do we do? Do we pick up any oil? We look for the one that says refined. Why? We are so careful what goes inside of us. And if we are so careful, then imagine how much more God is concerned about, about our life, that he wants us to be refined, that he wants us to be more like him. You look at the life of John the Baptist, what does he say? More of him and less of me. That's the kind of lifestyle that we are called to live, where we project his image, where we reflect his image, and we cannot do that unless we are completely refined. Amen? God wants to refine your church. He wants to make each one of you pure. He wants to remove things out of your life that, that is bothering you. He wants to remove things out of your life that is keeping you from praying. He wants to remove things out of your life that is keeping you from focusing on a sermon. He wants to remove things out of your life that is keeping you from fulfilling his purpose. God is a refiner. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say he's a refiner. God is a refiner. Amen? Amen? So if, you, if, you have, if you've ever seen how a silver is extracted from the ground, if you ever, uh, there are videos of that on YouTube, you can go and look at it. If you ever uh, take, if you look at how a silver is extracted from the ground, it looks nothing like a silver. Now you know what a silver looks like. It looks in silver color. But when a, when a silver is extracted from the ground, it has this charcoal gray color. Now I can preach a sermon out of charcoal grey. <laughs> Let me not do that. But when the silver is taken out, it's in a charcoal grey colour. It needs a lot of refining, a lot of pounding to make it into what it is supposed to be. So the initial process goes like this. They take the silver, they pound the stones, make it into grains and then into dust. And finally, they make it into a silver block silver block and this silver block is now about 50% silver, 50% impurities. And so now this silver will be sold to a refinery where the refiners will measure the silver properties, everything, and they will start refining it to remove the impurities. Because, you know, if you want to buy some silver items, nobody wants a charcoal gray color. 
nobody likes we just want silver to look like silver amen so so for a silver to look like silver there are people who put it through the refining process now one of the most important instruments in the refining process is a vessel called the crucible now crucible is a vessel that holds the silver when it's put into the furnace so it is also called as the refining pot now when a silver is refined it's put into a flame that's heated up to over uh, 1500 celsius very hot I, i was in hyderabad 40 degree i was like god i can bake a bread right now <laughs> it, it's 40 degrees is so hot imagine 1500 degrees silver is put into that with all its impurities and it's heated up it's heated up as it's heated as it starts to boil it turns into liquid and then they start to refine it now if you look at the crucible proverbs 17:3 says like this it's proverbs 17:3 the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold but lord tests the heart there's a refining pot for silver there's a vessel for the for silver but who is the one who tests us it's god it is god the interesting part of refining silver is that it's never put into the fire directly it's never put into the fire directly it's always put with a crucible and it is also the heat is regulated so that it will never exceed a certain temperature nor will it come below that if it exceeds you get nothing it will basically everything will be charred and and when we look at look at this it reminds us of something when god puts us through a season of testing he doesn't put us alone he doesn't throw us there and say i'll see you later on the other side no he goes with us he walks into it with us he goes with us into the furnace just like a refining pot holds the silver god goes with us holding us in that furnace in that flame he comes along with us during those periods and we may feel like you know lord i don't see you anywhere that's what job says i i go to the east i don't see him i go to the west i don't see him He says i don't see god sometimes in those moments it's so difficult to catch a hold of him but the truth is he is there he is doing his work he is processing the impurities in us he is doing it so that we can come out refined amen proverbs 25:4 says like this take away the dross from the silver and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry let's read this in the opposite way if you do not take away dross from the silver it will stay where it's supposed to stay it cannot be used all of us like silver that is 99.9% pure we like it to be pure we want it to be pure because nobody wants to wear a silver that looks like gray color like a charcoal gray nobody wants to do that we want silver that looks like silver so if you take away the dross the bible says it will go to the silversmith for jewelry so dross are the impurities for you to become strong in your faith the impurities have to be removed out completely has to be removed out completely now if you look at the process of heating up a silver when silver starts to heat up the dross and the impurities start to show up the work of a refiner is to carefully remove the dross from the silver the impurities from the silver an interesting thing that will happen while this in this process is that once the dross appears it will start to jump around 
It'll start to jump around. It won't stay in one place. It's not like, you know, it's not an easy process where you can put a spatula and scoop the dross out. No. It's a, it's a very difficult process. And only the experienced people know how to do it because if you, if you don't do it right, you're going to lose the silver also. So they heat it up, heat it up, finally to a point where the dross starts to show up. And when they try to remove it, it will start jumping from one place to another. But somehow, they will remove it out. This reminds me of something. When God works in our heart, when he puts us through affliction, when he says, son, I want to remove this person out of your life. When he says, daughter, I want to remove this person out of your life, we may be like, God, I, I know you want to remove, I know you don't like them, I know this doesn't please you, but I like it. There are times when God wants to work in our life, but we are stubborn, we are not letting him work fully. That's like the dross that is running around when the refiner tries to take, the, take it out. There are impurities in our life that God says, God, that God says he wants to deal with it, but we are like, no God, maybe uh, tomorrow I will deal with it, maybe next week I'll deal with it. God says no. The more it remains in you, the more it will draw you away from me. God continues to do his work because he knows unless the impurity is removed, silver will never have its real value. I want to tell you this, unless the impurities are removed from you, you will never reach your real potential. You'll never reach your full value. The refiner in the refinery, uh, what he does is he continues to put the silver and he puts it to over seven times. I was watching a video of this and uh, I saw him scoop out the impurities and I thought he's done. And then what he does is that he puts some chemicals and the dross shows up again. And it is said that they do that, they, they keep heating it for over seven times till it's removed completely. And do you know what happens when the impurities are removed? When the impurities are removed, silver starts to reflect. Starts to reflect. Until then it looked like a dark, you know, gray matter. But when the impurities are removed, silver starts to reflect. This tells us something, you know, when God subjects us to testing, finally when we come out, people will see Jesus in us. When the impurities are removed out of our life, we will start to reflect the image of Jesus in and through us. They'll be like, yeah, now I see the character of Jesus in your life. You see, the biggest problem with, with, with believers today is that we, we want to be like Jesus. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Everybody will be like, Amen. But nobody wants to go through suffering. Nobody wants to be subjected to testing. Nobody wants to go through this refining process. We keep crying out saying, Lord, why me? Why am I going through this? But God says, you've got to go through it to reflect the image of my son, Jesus. Job understood this. Job 23.10. In his affliction, he says like this. Job 23.10. Job 23.10 says like this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. You know what, what Job went through. I don't have to go through his life again. He went through suffering of all kinds. Physical suffering, physical pain. He was ostracized by people. He was um, um, criticized and, and judged by his own friends. 
And in that moment, Job says, but he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, what shall I come out as? I will come out as gold. We all desire to be pure before God. But to get to that purity, God refines us. He subjects us to testing. He puts us through moments that we may not enjoy it fully, but those are the moments where he gives us those treasures in darkness, where he transforms, where he performs a surgery in the dark, when he does something in our life, where our life will transform and it will become more like Jesus, more like him, more like him. All of us as Christians, all of us as God's children have to go through this season of our life. Yes, it'll be difficult. Yes, you'll, you'll face pain and sorrow and disappointment. But one day, one day you will come out as refined silver. Refined silver. I'm going to play a video right now. And then I'll come back and talk to you and finish the sermon. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you. But when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. 
You're lazy, but you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. You see, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning. I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both. What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. 
chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you.
Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are God's workmanship. Who are we? We are the masterpiece. And for us to be who God wants us to be, He puts us through this process. A refining process where He chisels out. Sometimes we may not like it, but that will be the greatest gift that we have ever received. You may be holding on to this one person in your life saying, God, I can't let them go, it's difficult. But letting them go will be the greatest gift of your life. God says, you are my masterpiece. I love this line in the video. It says, he doesn't take time to make junk. Isn't that amazing? Heart of a father. He doesn't take time to uh, just make things that are like, okay, second rated. None of us are. None of us are. It reminds us that we are created in Christ. We are his workmanship. <clears throat> you know, in these moments of life where God chisels you and shapes you, in those moments of life, he teaches you a lesson that you will never be alone. Look at the life of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What happened to them? They, they were firm in their decision that they won't worship any other God and they were thrown in the furnace. But something miraculous happens. Three men go in and then they see there's another one with them. Who was there? God walking with them in the furnace. See, when we go through those moments, we are reminded of some truths and that truth will go so deep into our heart that we will know that we are never alone, that God will be there. Whether we go through fire, He will be there. Whether we go through seasons where it's, it's raining down on us, where people are pushing us down, He is there by our side. In these moments also, we, we learn who God actually is. In these moments, we also, uh, it, what God does is He brings the right people into our life, takes the wrong ones out to help us accomplish the purpose. If we are running behind something that God does not want us to do, it's like an excess baggage. It's like an excess baggage. It's something that is going to pull us down. We may like it today, but it's going to be very bitter tomorrow. But God says, I'm going to remove those people out of you. So in that process, God brings the right people, removes the wrong one to accomplish his purpose. We see that in the life of Gideon. He gathers men who join with him as a great army. God says, test them. Takes them down to the water. God tests them. How many people did Gideon fight with? 300. Like really, can you win a battle with 300 people? It's difficult. But God says, I've refined those men. Sometimes the people who are with you might be very small. It may not even seem very si any significant to you, but God says, I can give you victory because these are the ones whom I have given you. Church, stop running after people whom God is not pleased with. Stop running after relationships that God doesn't want you to pursue. Simply pursue what God wants for you. 
Psalm 66 verse 10 to 12 reminds us that God, you have tested us. You have refined us as a silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our back. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. At the end of all this testing, what is there? There's a rich fulfillment. Our life is going to be amazing after all this testing, after all this refinement, after all the chiseling out. We may think, Lord, how can I live without them? But God says, I'm going to lead you to a place of rich fulfillment. Where do you want to be in your life? Do you want to be where God wants you to be? Or do you want to be where you want to be? Compare it, you know, whose plans are better? Is your plan any better? Or is God's plan better? Follow his plan. Don't be stubborn. Amen. Don't be stubborn. Just let God work. This is the message to the church. Let God work in your life. I believe, I believe God is molding some of your lives today. I believe he's putting you through that season right now. And when God puts you there, just let him work. Just say, Lord, I know it's going to be difficult, but Lord, you are going to bring me to a place of rich fulfillment. A place of abundance. A place of joy that is inexpressible. A joy where, a place where peace will transcend beyond understanding. A place where God has prepared for us. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has said what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? He will refine you and take you to a place where he has prepared for you. Live in that place. Don't fight to be where you want to be. Let God work. Why don't we stand up? I ask the worship team to come forward. Remind yourselves this evening that God is a refiner. Who is he? He's the one who removes the impurities, the dross out of your life. He, he removes things that don't matter. He removes things that will pull you down. Book of Hebrews says like this in chapter 12, running towards Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It says, let's fix our eyes towards Jesus. You know, in this race towards pursuing God, there shouldn't be an excess baggage because it's going to slow down the race. It's going to make us weak. It's going to make us lose. It's going to cause failure. You may think this is the best thing for you, but God says, no, it is going to take you away from me. You cannot stay in a neutral place where you are not too close to God, not too far from God. No, you either are cl moving closer to God or you are moving far away from God. God says, come closer to me. Let me refine you. I am the refiner. I am the porter. You are the clay. Let us say, Lord, mold me. Shape me into the person that you want me to be. Shape me into the person you want me to be.